Mindfulness is being honest with yourself, feeling what you feel, but realizing what is real and what is not, what holds weight and what shouldn't. That is mindfulness in a nutshell. And in essence, that is the purpose of life. Like what matters? The purpose of life is to figure out what matters to you and to double down on it and to share your love for it and to let go of the rest. Welcome to the Just Live Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Stevens, and I'm inviting you in on my personal journey of learning and discovering how to live a life with more connection, joy, and purpose. I'll be sitting down with people from all walks of life to dive into topics including trauma, mental health, mindfulness, the nuances of love and relationships, and much more. I hope these conversations empower you to expand on what serves you, release what doesn't, and just live. Hello and welcome back to the Just Live Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Stevens, and I have a brand new episode for you. I'm so excited, and I know I say that every time. I'm like, I have to say something different. But I'm actually so excited to share this episode because I sit down with Case Kenny, the creator and host of the top-charting podcast, New Mindset, Who Dis? And this is such a surreal moment in my life because... The first podcast I ever listened to was Case's podcast. Um, So I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous during this interview. And I think at one point I blacked out because when I went back and listened to it, I was like, oh, I don't remember him saying that. But in any case, no pun intended. I loved this conversation. If you're not familiar with Case's work, as I mentioned, he is a host of a very popular podcast, New Mindset Hootis, where he shares practical perspective on mindfulness, relationships, and well-being. He is also a writer and an author. He's published several guided journals and books. And his latest work, That's Bold of You, How to Thrive as Your Most Vibrant, Weird, and Real Self, talks all about shedding society's labels and expectations and creating a life that's defined by you. So I really enjoyed this conversation. You know, we talk a little bit about mindfulness. We talk a lot about, you know, kind of unlearning the norms and labels that we pick up along the way. Um, We discuss relationships. We talk a little bit about closure, which, you know, was a conversation I really um, benefited from. You know, that's been something I've been working through um, the past year, you know, after going through my breakup. And we also talk about, you know, how to discover and define what it is you want out of life. You know, what does success mean to you? What does love mean to you? What do you want your relationship to look like? You know, and not living a life defined by others and their expectations. So thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy it, leave a comment, leave a review, send it to a friend. Um, Please subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can watch this. And um, as always, thank you so much for your support. Take care. For anyone that's listening that isn't familiar with you or your work, um, the welcome, Case Kenny. Hi. <laughs> Host, hi. <laughs> Host of and creator of the podcast, New Mindset, Who Dis? You are also a writer and an author, an entrepreneur. Um, anything else we need to add to that list? I think that covers it. I usually just say I share my feelings for a living. That's usually uh, the headline. But yeah, it's podcast writing products. I've, I've done a lot of things, but all things mindfulness. Yeah. So I I want to learn and understand a little bit more about what kind of inspired the podcast. But I know prior to the podcast, you had 
kind of deviated. You were in sales, right? After college? Yeah. So I'm 35 now. Um, and yeah, so I mean, after graduating, I worked in advertising for a while and then eventually found myself in a sales role. I did that for eight years. And um, yeah, it was basically just kind of a, a story of, you know, somewhere, somewhere in the midst when I was like 29, I was like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself for who I've become. Uh, sales was really good to me. Um, you know, I, I did well and it kind of, you know, it gave me perspective. It gave me confidence. It kind of made me this extrovert, whereas before I was pretty timid and kind of just all over the place. So I was like, man, I, I really like this. Like I do well in my career. Um, you know, I'm, I'm type A, all these things. But I kind of contrasted that with who I was on the inside. And it wasn't like I was like, you know, depressed on the inside or anything, but I just felt you know, unsure, insecure, really ridden with doubt on the inside. I was like, man, it's kind of annoying that I could be one person on the outside and one person on the inside. And um, being a kind of stubborn type A person, I was like, I want those people to be the same person. I want to be the same person on the inside and out. So I started the podcast literally in that vein um, in 2018, just kind of in an attempt to better know myself and do it in a vulnerable medium. Um, I've always been pretty creative and, you know, know, throw myself into different uh, endeavors. And um, yeah, it was basically, I started the podcast in 2018. And um, it's basically just a format of asking myself questions, why, and then forcing myself to have a perspective on it. Not one that I borrowed from other people, not one that sounded good in theory, but one that I could really validate with experiences and like complete sentences. So um, that's basically it. I mean, really what I realized through that process was I was practicing a, a very practical, logical form of mindfulness, the, the art of, of putting my feelings kind of on trial in a sense. And yeah. Um, yeah, the rest is history, basically. Eventually, you know, quit that job to do this full time, wrote some books and kind of just literally thrown myself into uh, mindfulness uh, in different different mediums, different formats. Yeah. Uh, is it True that, but prior to the podcast, you had started a blog called Pursuits, and so that was yeah. kind of a creative deviation Throwback. from your sales job. So I was just interested. It seemed like you were kind of like putting your hand in a lot of different kind of creative outlets prior to your full departure from like your corporate sales job. What was it that inspired you to kind of take those steps in a different direction? Yeah, yeah. So Pursuit was kind of my first foray into like, what does it take to build something online? Um, and eventually it became more of a wellness angle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always been like creative. I've always had kind of a, a bit of an entrepreneurial edge. Um, but I mean, I come from a very traditional family. You know, my mom was a lawyer, my brother's a doctor. Um, so I never really, you know, had, saw a career path being entrepreneur, but I always, you know, being in sales also kind of showed me that I can, you know, you could start at zero and do something, build something. So I, you know, while working that job, um, you know, I was like, I want to write online. I want to build something. And then I kind of learned, you know, more about marketing. But, um, yeah, eventually it just came to a point where I was like, man, I, I've proven out a business model with this. It brings me joy. Um, I'm getting better at it. Um, and then COVID hit and, you know, there was an opportunity to kind of, you know, go all in on it. Um, and I did. And, you know, it was a, it was a big jump for sure. I mean, I, I had a lot of my identity wrapped up in being a salesperson, starting as yeah. an account executive and working my way up to regional vice president and doing that and leaving that behind was certainly big for me as it would anyone. But um, yeah, it was it was a patient journey, like side hustling and, you know, to get to that point. Yeah. I know I mentioned in our correspondence, your podcast was the first podcast I ever listened to. 
which is so surreal, honestly, <laughs> to be sitting here. It's that's kind awesome. of weird. <laughs> um, wow, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's such a, like a 20, 20, 23 thing to happen, you know, from, from <laughs> internet to IRL in a sense, or at least yeah. screen to screen. It's funny. I think what I, one of the reasons I was drawn to it, one, I'm not into crime. So I was, all the crime podcasts weren't going to be me. Um, and you know, I've, I'm always interested in mindset and health and well being. So the title was very catchy and grabbed me. And then what nice. sold it for me was the 15 to 20 minute episodes that you put mm. out, you know? <laughs> um, and then after listening to one, I mean, the way you, you, you have such a graceful, like compassionate, but very matter of fact way of coming like across with your message and sharing very practical, um, perspective and like your experience. Like you said, it's funny though that you, you say that it was really kind of coming from a place of wanting to met like mesh these two personalities of yours together and understand how to kind of coexist with both sides that you were living with and existing with. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. It's very kind of you. And yeah, I mean, I, I always say, I mean, the podcast was and always and will be for me. Like I didn't sit down and be like, I want to start a podcast because podcasting is hot right now. And it's a good way to get, build an audience or any marketing, um, scheme you can come up with. It always was for me from a, a place of I want to do this for myself. And I think the cool thing that it led me to realize for one is my ability to turn that around and help other people, but also two, just kind of the universal nature of what we go through. You know, I could sit there and be like, man, I'm alone in this or that or whatever it is. And like everything I've ever talked about, everyone always reaches out and says, this is me. This is me. Like it's just every there's not very few things in life that are truly just you going through it. In fact, I doubt there's literally anything, but um, I found a lot of, you know, empathy and, you know, compassion and energy and in, in realizing that. Yeah. So aside from the podcast, you are also a writer and an author. You put out several books. That's incredible. I have one of them here. <laughs> hey, there it is. Yeah. Um, I like this book a lot. There's a lot of great insight in it. And I, I, what I love is that it's, um, I, I feel like a lot of books, like, not like this, but a lot of books that I read are very, um, matter of fact, in a sense of telling you kind of like how to live your life, like what you should be doing, like different, um, modalities you should take on to like enhance your life and your experience. And I felt like this is very much like lose all of that and come back to yourself, um, embrace your authenticity. What inspired this book? Yeah, well, I mean, basically everything that I do inspired it, you know, through the podcast, through everything, I just realized mindfulness is basically giving yourself permission to reinvent yourself. I mean, that is what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is being honest with yourself, feeling what you feel, but realizing what is real and what is not, what holds weight and what shouldn't. That is the that is mindfulness in a nutshell. And in essence, that is the purpose of life. Like what matters? The purpose of life is to figure out what matters to you and to double down on it and to share your love for it and to let go of the rest um, as practically as you can. So, I mean, that was the impetus. And basically the book is about reinventing yourself in light of the fact that basically your teens and your 20s and even your 30s were sponges and we're out there and we're just borrowing other people's ideas and timelines and rights and wrongs. And that's great to be inspired. But the real meat and potatoes of your life comes in when you say, okay, that's not true to me. That's not true to me. This is. And you allow yourself to reinvent yourself as many times as you can. 
So that's basically what the book is. I think it's a bold thing to reinvent yourself. It's a bold thing to let go of things that aren't true to you. Mm-hmm. It's a bold thing to be bold in the pursuit of what makes you feel right. Um, so that was that was basically the book. And it's kind of just an acknowledgement of a lot of things I talk about on the podcast, how to mindfully cut through the noise, figure out what's true to you. And yeah, I mean, I, I think most of the book isn't so much here's the right way and here's the wrong way. In fact, I, I doubt there's really any of that in there. If I, if I recall, most of it is ask yourself this question. Here's something to consider. In light of this thing that we know to be true, observation about human psychology or you know how we're wired as humans, what can we do with this piece of information? Can this be a catalyst for you to find what's true to you? And I think that's why I'm so drawn to mindfulness, frankly, because I'm not really a self-help guy. I've never have been. I like mindfulness. It is a cliche now, but I like it for what it represents to me, which is there's no right way. Everyone can figure out their own right way through mindfulness, through radical question and answering, um, you know, in, in the mirror. So that's kind of what the book is. Yeah. I know you talk a lot about how, you know, in our 20s and like you said, into our 30s, we're kind of observing others and taking on, you know, what we think life should look like or a certain definition of what success is. Um, and then as you know, we go older and into our thirties, it's really all about unlearning a lot of that and deciding for yourself what's authentic to you or what's right for you. What do you think has been the most important thing for you to unlearn? I mean, so many things. I mean, what does it mean to be single? What does it mean to be in a relationship? What is my definition of happiness? What is my def- my timeline? I think really the biggest thing that I've reinvented is like just like what my goal is in life. Like not specifically like my five-year plan or my vision board, but like what is my like esoterical philosophical plan for my life? Yeah. And that's evolved a lot. It kind of started, I talk about the, on the podcast a lot about this, just, you know, the idea of like most people say something and, and I used to say, I just want to be happy. My goal in life is to figure out what makes me happy and just be happy. And of course, that's a great idea. Um, but I think really what I've unlearned and then relearned is like, that's not something we can really control. And I like to be able to control the, the outcome that I'm trying to get to. So, you know, in, in, in that vein, you know, the goal that came after that was, I just want to be proud of myself. That has been my goal for a long time. That is something I can control. I could always be proud of myself. No one can take that from me. And that's been really powerful. And now as I'm in my mid thirties, I'm kind of leaning more towards, I just want to be honest with myself. Because through honesty, your actions will follow and then your, yeah. your compassion for yourself will follow and then the happiness will follow. So I think really for me, it's, it's unlearning layers to my goal in life from I just want to be happy. I just want to be proud of myself. I just want to be honest with myself. And I don't know if there's something deeper than honesty with myself, but I've found that to be really powerful so that I don't have to think so tactically in life. Like, oh, I should do this or I should do that or own this or look this way. And in, in place of that, I could just be at all times, am I being honest with myself and then ensuring my actions follow? And then, you know, you got to say, oh, happiness will hopefully come from that. Um, and that's been big for me. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel for me personally, learning to kind of find the presence and the wholeness, like where I'm at and not always you know, feeling like, oh, if I get this, I'll be happier. When I get to that situation, I'll be happy. Just learning like in the moment to accept what is. And 
you mentioned this in your book, and I think I've even folded down the page, but it was basically, um, oh, I found it. Wow. <laughs> it said, life can be good and bad at the same time. Life can be clear and unclear at the same time. Life can be filled with both things we have and things we're still pursuing. Life can be filled with question marks and exclamation points, and it can be and it can be good while those things coexist. So that was probably one of my favorite quotes of the book because nice. I feel like I'm still learning to kind of sit with what is and enjoy and appreciate, you know, what's currently happening in the moment and just being present and realizing that the joy is, is in that and not so much where you end up or what you're seeking or searching for. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like a big mindset to have. I mean, I think so often we think in extremes, like if I'm not happy, that means I'm unhappy and life sucks and life is horrible. Like, yeah. I think there's very few times in life where we're 100% bliss. Like life is life. Let's be real. Like it has good and bad. And if if we don't become determined to allow those things to exist side by side, we're always going to be struggling. So literally that quote is a decision that you can make. If you can decide that good and bad can coexist and you choose to highlight the good, then I think then you're winning. You're, you'll always be winning in that sense. And it's the same with like the way that we set goals for ourselves in life. We think that like the secret to happiness is when we have all the things on our goal list all at once, you know, the job, the partner, the body, the car, the house, whatever. And as much as sometimes, yeah, you can pull that off and you can have all those things at once. I think the reality is of life is it moves left to right on a timeline. It's, it's progressive, right? And you can very well have each and every one of those things, but it might not be at the same time. And that's okay, right? It's okay to have the partner one day, the body the next, and then to kind of maybe struggle with your relationship, struggle with your whatever it is. Like, and I think we need to, you know, gravitate towards not thinking in extremes, like not thinking too practical or cynical or anything like that, but just being compassionately realistic so that you don't back yourself into a corner where you allow your human nature to take over, which says, if it's not good, it's bad. Yeah, And that's just unfair to ourselves because that's not how life works. And I think a lot of our happiness, uh, cliche, but it comes from decisions that we make about how we perceive happiness. So it's a good quote to, to call out there. Yeah, no, I, I appreciated it. I know. I think a lot of the magic is in the choice and realizing that we have a choice every moment you know, how we perceive what we're experiencing and the feelings, you know, that's something I've dealt with a lot is understanding like, you know, my feelings. And just because something feels happy one day doesn't mean it's bad the next, or it's okay if you feel different um, and that everything belongs and just witnessing everything I think is I've had a lot of, um, what's the word realization and, and, ex yeah. and acceptance in that, which is, um, freeing. In addition to some of your books, you also have some guided journals that you put out, which I love. Um, I see one behind you. Yes. I have another one here too that I got um, in light of my you know, experience recently with a breakup. <laughs> uh, closure. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Um, the, when I first opened this, I wasn't sure what to expect, but one thing that I loved, um, and I think the most important thing out of this whole thing is that um, you don't receive closure, you create it. Do you want to enlighten us a little bit more? On yeah, that? I mean, that is like such an obvious thing, right? I think we'd all, yeah. if we sat down and thought about it, we're like, yeah, obviously. But it's like human nature is human nature, and we all fall under this trope of, I don't know where we get it. 
it could be human nature, it could be media, it could be just influence of where we think, oh, you know, closure comes from one last conversation with an ex or getting on the same page with an ex or trying to understand why my ex did something. And as much as human nature wants clarity, for sure, like it's unsettling to have someone hurt you and for you not to understand why. Horrible place to to sit in, very uncomfortable. And it, and it, it, it hurts you for sure. Um, as much as that's true, we have to realize that sitting in that space is basically waiting for permission, asking someone else to give you closure, which is the opposite of what, what closure is. And in fact, you know, I think a lot about words like pain and suffering, fun words, right? Um, I think when we're in a headspace of thinking that closure is something you do collectively or closure is something that is given to you, we turn pain into suffering. And, you know, the idea of pain, right, is like things that happen to you in life, things that other people do to you, um, whether uh, on purpose or whether you're just collateral damage or whether life is random, whatever it may be. We turn that into suffering by the story we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And specifically in the case of closure, if we're telling ourselves a story of, you know, I need them to get on the same page, I need, you know, I'm waiting for them to give me closure, whatever, you know, convoluted way we are turning that pain into suffering every single time. We're doubling our pain, right? We're taking pain, which does hurt, and we're turning it into suffering by waiting for permission from that other person. And while we're in that headspace of waiting for closure, we make it way worse. We start to devolve and think, oh, maybe I deserve that. Or maybe this always happens to me. Or this is my life. Or these very, um, you know, finite stories, which take that pain and turn it into suffering. So I think, you know, the idea of closure is certainly... um, it's something that is unique to everyone. I can't say this is what closure looks like or this is how to find closure. I think it definitely comes from the questions you ask yourself, which is why I'm such a big proponent of journaling. Um, to, to strip out the noise and ask yourself questions that are big, that are illuminating, um, but your answers are your answers. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think closure is one of those topics that only you truthfully can can give to yourself because it's 100% personal to you. And if you're sitting around waiting for someone else to give it to you, you're not honoring your ability to to give it to yourself and to actually move forward with it. Yeah, I think waiting for it in a sense is definitely giving away your power and you know, you can't change the circumstances or what happened, but you can change and you can control how you respond. Um so I think that that's so important. Um, I love that you said in the journal, replace closure with peace. So, you know, being at peace with what's happened and where you're at and what lies ahead, I think is, is really instrumental. Yeah. I mean, I think amidst what we were talking about before, about finding, finding out, figuring out what matters and what doesn't matter, you know, the path to that is finding peace amidst you know, the ruins of what you thought did matter. Like if you're not, if you can't get to a place and it could take time, right? This isn't like week yeah. two type material, but you have to be willing to find peace. And and peace isn't necessarily clarity. Peace is saying in this moment, I, I accept what happened and I'm not going to allow this pain, which is pain to turn into suffering. That is, that is peace, yeah. right? It could take forever to realize why something happened if you ever do it could take a long time to understand the role that it plays in you know forming your the next version of yourself but i think in the immediate the best thing you can give yourself is peace which i think practically said is is peaceful acceptance you know accept the things you can't change the wisdom to know the difference like that is that is peace 
Yeah, absolutely. So if people aren't familiar with your podcast, I can be certain that they have seen some of your posts on <laughs> media and your famous um, note cards or sticky notes and coffee cups. I know I've personally <laughs> shared them yes, on my story you. on Instagram probably at least once a week because they resonate so, so much. Um, so I actually went back on my Instagram to my story archive to find a few that I actually shared. So I wanted to read them back to you nice. to kind of hear maybe what you were experiencing or what your thought process was when you wrote them and then maybe kind of what comes up now hearing them. Cool. Well, the first one, I, I wanted to find the first one you ever shared. Um, so that was on March 15th, 2020, which is cool because March 15th is my birthday. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> meant to be. And it, it says, I am self-made, taught by my past, not shaped by it, connected to what's happened, but not attached to it, empowered, not defined, I decide. Mm. Mm. I think that goes hand in hand mm. with the closure <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, literally. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I remember, I remember writing that's. It's so funny how the style has changed because that's like many yeah, thoughts. Very in different. One thing. And, and now I'm like, it's just like 12 words. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what we we're just talking about. Right. And especially these idioms. Right. A lot of people say, well, my past shaped me or this experience shaped me. And as much as that practically is true, I, I'm big on words. Right. All I do all day is think and write. The words we use are so important. They, they, yeah. they take away our power or they give us power. So I don't like saying shaped. Shaped implies passiveness. Right. Shaped implies they did this to me. I am a victim and I am inheriting whatever they decided to give me. I prefer learn, which is more lean forward, which is more active. This thing happened to me. There's no negating it. There's pain associated with it. They did do this to me. I was on the receiving end of this, but I get to decide what to do with this. And that is where your power lies. So now more than ever, I, I would say I resonate with that. I think that's such a truth that I, I come back to time and time again. Yeah, absolutely. So the second one I have here is note to self, you deserve to be loved, even if you're still learning to love yourself. Nice. I like that one a lot. Yeah. I feel like yeah. a lot of times people feel like they have to be fully healed or, um, you know, to enter a relationship or, you know, things like that. And so I, I think that it's important to remember that while you're still learning to, to love yourself and you're growing, you can be loved by somebody else and you deserve to be loved and you're worthy of that love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good point. Exactly what I was going to say. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I think sometimes amidst pain and confusion, the, the temptation is to remove yourself completely from the world in a sense. And I think sometimes the answer is to throw yourself even more into it in kind of a roundabout way. Um, because through that experience, you can realize that the former experience was wrong and it's, it's not reflective of what you deserve. Um, and I think, you know, the mindset to realize during that is exactly what I wrote then. You know, you do deserve to, to find that while you're looking and while, again, to the idea of a timeline, right? These things are all stacked and you can do them at the same time. We don't have to deal in finites. Well, I have to love myself completely before I find someone who would love me. I mean, most of the dating advice says that, right? It says, why would yeah. you expect someone to love you if you don't love yourself? And while I do think practically that's true, right? If you don't have respect for yourself, if you don't right. have a, a modicum of, of love for yourself, it's going to be a struggle. But to say you need to know yourself fully and love yourself to the moon and back in order to be loved, that is, that is a limiting mindset. So I think the magic is somewhere in between, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. 
So the next note that I shared was, again, along with this uh, idea of closure, (laughs) is real closure is turning a disappointing story into a higher standard for yourself. Um, I feel like when I read that, for me, it's understanding that something didn't work out for whatever which reason and you deserve what you are willing to give somebody you know if you're willing to give loyalty and trust and um compassion and love then you deserve to get that in return and if um the relationship that you were in didn't meet those standards then now you have that opportunity to find that yeah i mean i think i think everything in life comes down to the idea of reciprocity like if you're willing to give something, it's not too much to say you deserve that in return. Whether or not someone's willing to give it to you is another story. But if you can audit yourself and say, well, here was the disappointing story, but I gave this, that, and the other. I was committed in this way and that way. Your new standard should be, well, I deserve that in a partner. And keep it that simple. Because I think without that, we're always sliding. We're always making concessions. And I also think like the idea of, you know, life in general, it's not always easy to hear, but like disappointing experiences are a requirement in life. Like if we don't know what heartbreak is, we don't know what love is. Frankly, I mean, if we don't know bad, we don't know good. Like if we don't know, you know, a frustration, we don't know peace. Like, and I know that's more philosophical than I, I usually get, but I mean, it's, it's very true. Like contrast in life are a requirement in life. And we wish they weren't, right? We wish we can say, okay, I know exactly what love is and I can theorize myself to it. And then I found it and I'm good to go. But that's just not how life works, unfortunately. Right. And, you know, going through frustrating experiences makes the one that hopefully you do find that much more rewarding. But in the process, standards, boundaries, whatever you may call it, those are born exclusively of those darker times. And we could do one of two things with them. We could either decide that that pain is suffering and it tells a story about what we don't deserve, or we could turn it into a standard that we use to step up every single time. And, you know, that choice is always ours. Why do you think some people leave a relationship and aren't able to set that standard and feel like they aren't worthy or that they aren't deserving of what they've given in the past or what they can give? I mean, I'd say for two reasons, there's a practical and there's a more like internal, I think on the practical side, you know, pressure, rushing, comparison, the internet, it's very easy to get in your head and say, well, that person's so much better than me or this, that, and the other. And maybe I don't deserve that. Maybe I should throttle back. Maybe I need to be more humble Um, or I need to hurry up. You know, I got my parents on my back. I got my friends who are all wiped up. I I need to, I need to get on this. So I think there's an element there that just of pressure that leads us to forget some of those things that we know to be true. And then I think there's the the more internal. It's like we are easily influenced. And if someone told us that we're difficult or something like that, we had a partner who said we're difficult. If we're not practicing a form of mindfulness, if we're not living with respect for ourselves, it it's very easy to be like, well, they said it. And I've struggled with dating and a couple of people have said it. And so it's got to be true. I think we're we're very we're in the land of temptation of of thinking that well maybe their label that they gave me is true to me. Yeah. And that was a big basis of that's bold of you is like these labels are thrown around and if we, we're not careful they'll become our own and we'll be like well I'm I'm a difficult person to date so maybe I need to find someone who 
can appreciate that and you know and we just lower the bar so i think you know again it comes back to being being able to live through these experiences be called something but to not allow their point of view to become our point of view um and a lot of it does come down to the words that we use certainly sometimes i think we use the wrong words sometimes we allow their words to become ours but um you know ultimately we have to decide what is true for us and about us and what is not yeah and i think you've said before too like journaling is a way to help you do that um i know that you've said that like the questions you need to answer are likely the ones you've been avoiding so like yeah. leaving the relationship is probably the perfect time to like take stock of some things and answer some tough questions um i i feel like journaling definitely got me through my last breakup. I mean, even just kind of like writing and expressing what I was feeling, but like guided journaling and and asking myself, okay, so I was in this situation. Like, why did I tolerate that? What about me was allowing that or what was drawn to that in the first place? And that gives you a lot of insight into what you want to work on and what you expect. And like you said, the standards moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I think journaling is an essential part of growing as a person and it it's not, really what I think a lot of people, myself included, used to think it was like, it's not a diary. It's not something you only do when you're sad. It's not for sad people. It's not for depressed people. It's like in life, we always write important things down. Like I think we'd more or less agree with that, right? We have something important, we write it down. Even with like big life decisions, like we're at a crossroads. For me, if I have to make a decision, I'll usually sit down and I'll write a pros and cons list. I do it all the time. But we don't write down the most important thing, which is our feelings. Because that just sounds cheesy. I'm going to write down my feelings. But really, it is the key in life. And it's also the key in light of the fact that I think we'd probably all agree in some sense that one of the big purposes of life is to go out and find answers. I think we'd all agree um, amidst the things that we're on earth to do is to go out and find answers. But it's in the wording. How do you find an answer? You ask yourself a question. And we don't ask ourselves questions anymore, especially when you could just open up your phone and have people entertain you and tell you what to believe. It's yeah. so easy to consume and not, and not create in the form of question and answer, question and answer. So obviously, I, I'm all on board journaling, but I think it could benefit anyone at any time, whether you're happy or sad or in between. I think it's an essential thing you could do every day for just 10 minutes. Yeah, one of my favorite, favorite quotes is, sometimes you don't know what you think until you read what you say. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I know, me too. Whoa, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that. That's fantastic. Okay. It's you so true. It. Wow, it's great. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, so like I mean I have a lot of journals from growing up and you know, I go back and read them and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I know exactly what I was thinking in that moment <laughs> yeah. and it's right in front of me on this page. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. That's great. Yeah, it's so true. That's that's great. Yeah. Um Back to questions that you may be avoiding. Do you think there's any questions now that you may be potentially avoiding or that you should address in your life? Uh, probably. I mean, I've noticed like, uh, I feel like over the past year or so, I've like, I feel like I have something to prove, but it's like not necessarily to myself, which mm. flies in the face of everything we talked about, being honest with myself, being proud of myself. I don't know exactly what that is. It's probably a hodgepodge of internet pressure and, you know, you know, the the element of influence and writing and money and, and all all things combined about trying to prove something to to other people 
the internet, strangers, whatever it is. Um, so I think that's something that I need to continue to examine and, you know, stay on top of. Because, um, you know, I have noticed that, you know, my happiness or fulfillment ebbs, ebbs and flows alongside of certain elements of recognition, um, whether that's financial recognition or internet recognition or press or whatever it's going on. Um, so I think that's something that uh, it's good that I'm aware of, um, but probably needs a bit more introspection. Okay. I know you give a lot of relationship advice. Um, so, and you're currently in a relationship, correct? Yes. Is there anything that you have learned in this current relationship that you'd like to bestow upon others? Oh man. Uh, yeah, I mean a ton. I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I think I've realized, you know, the, the value of, of slowness and patience, like my relationship with my girlfriend, it wasn't like a, like, clicked immediately like we're amazing together um it was you know it wasn't one where we had to convince each other or ourselves in any sense but it was just slow and unforced amidst i have a lot of going on ambitions so does she it would just fit very well within that and i think a lot of people want this butterflies and rainbows fireworks from the beginning type romance which i think is fantastic of course but uh, I think there's a lot of value in creating a safe space of slowness and peace and calm in your relationship first and using that as the foundation for everything to come. And I think, you know, when we're younger, myself included, if we didn't see that, we'd be like, well, then clearly just something is wrong. Something is something is off here. And it makes me sad to think, you know, some people may have thrown away great love and, and connection because of that impatience or because of comparison looking at other people's relationships how they progressed their timelines what they looked like so i think probably the answer is you know find figuring out what works for you um and it might not be what works for everyone else you don't need what everyone else needs you don't need the partnership that everyone else needs um, and i think there's immense freedom in that um, because it's personal yeah i agree with that i think deciding for yourself what you want and what's best for you and what you want your love to look like your job to look like all of those things i think that that's probably the most important message yeah it's mindfulness again yeah yeah back we are so i want to be mindful of your time i know we have to wrap things up so i'll just do one more question cool (laughs) so kind of the mantra or tagline of my podcast which is just live is um expand on what serves you release what doesn't and just live so is there anything right now in this moment that you are looking to expand on and what would you like to release? Such a great question. Well, um, I mean, I, I'd start with the release. I think I would release what I kind of just referred to, um, kind of pressure, um, doing things for other people, doing things for recognition. Um, well, practically speaking, in our careers, like the, there are things that you just need to do. It is what it is. But I think there's an element there for me personally that I can let go of, right? Comparing myself to other people, um, you know, stats, numbers, figures, uh, earnings, things like that. I think I could truthfully let go of that in a sense. And then I don't know, it's, it's as far as like what I want to like really double down on. And, um, you know, I, I think I, th- I think impact is really important for me, to me. And, and like anonymous impact like i don't need to know who who i'm helping like it is a gift to be able to sit down and share my feelings and help other people 
And I think if that if that helps one person or a million people, I'm I'm you know that is a gift. But I'm just realizing more and more the value that every single person has to help other people. Like I used to kind of think, well, who am I to to tell someone how to live their life? But you know, it's like if you've lived through something, you've learned through it. I get so much value from random strangers all the time in my DMs or on Reddit, just strangers. And I think for me, I, I think that's probably why I'm on earth to, you know, take my little corner of life experience and, and help other people. And I think I've found a way to communicate that helps me do that. And I just want to continue to do it and, um, you know, always have the drive and desire to do so and never run out of material and always find a, a reason to get up every day and share. Um, so I think, you know, I just want to find that foundation of inspiration and, and never let it go. Well, on that note, I only have one more thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very welcome, and thank you for having me. Nice post-it note. I gotta, thank I gotta you. get back on writing post-it notes. I'm, I, I, I miss the creative flair that I used to kind of have with some of my my writings. I tend to just hit the the white paper now. But I'll... well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs>